Hello everyone and welcome to the 2020 UK Cinema Association podcast with me Helen Budge uh, last week on Tuesday and Wednesday the 3rd and 4th of March the international cinema industry descended on London's Picture House Central to hear from many different speakers and panellists with a focus on the audience big screen experience. I chatted to several of those speakers to get an overview of their participation and what they were presenting on and the results are in this podcast. How exciting. Check out the caption to see exactly who I caught up with. The podcast is quite lengthy because we crammed in quite a few people. And we obviously want you to get your money's worth, but it's also full of juicy insights and features a lot of the big names. Phil Clapp. Um, A big thank you to those who participated. And of course, congratulations to the UKCA team on a very successful conference. I hope you will find the following useful and dare I say entertaining. I have been joined by Mr. Rick Williams um, from Freeney Williams Disability Consultancy. Uh, You are the managing director, is that correct, Rick? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Excellent stuff. So um, I'm going to give it straight over to you. Um, just tell tell us a bit about what Freely Williams does uh, and your particular role, Rick. Sure. Well, in general terms, we're a consultancy that deal with all issues around disability at an organisational level, uh, looking at the way they deal with those issues strategically, um, also down as far as sort of training individual members of staff. Specifically, we've been the advisors to the cinema sector since 2020. Uh, no, that's now. Isn't it? <laughs> that's 20, now, indeed. 2000, yeah, <laughs> okay. for 20 years. Um, wow. So we've been involved a lot in, in the way the sector goes about dealing with disabled customers and things like that. And my role is I'm actually the specialist advisor to the UK Cinema Association. So tomorrow and Wednesdays... Um, conference so we are obviously we're talking uh, the day before just logistically we couldn't fit it in so we're doing a sort of special little segment um the day before the conference starts just for some context um but you're presenting tomorrow um the conference is obviously on the audience so the audience perspective um what exhibitors need to be aware of with audiences um how we can attract new audiences sort of the the whole sort of spectrum so could you just tell us a bit about what you're actually presenting on and from your perspective from Freeney Williams, Rick? Yeah, sure. I think the, the first thing to say is that actually the UK cinema sector does very well ensuring access for disabled people. It's probably the leading uh, jurisdiction in the world on that. Okay. Um, having said that, can we do it better? Probably. Um, and one of the things I'm going to be talking about, in fact, the theme of, of the talk is going to be around do we regard disabled audiences as an opportunity or a cost? And whilst we do it very well, my view would be that generally the sector regards disability as a cost and a bolt-on, and I want people to think a bit more about making it an integral part of the central approach in the way they would any other business issue and to move it out of the fringe and move it more into the centre because I actually do see this as a significant business issue which is not really the way the sector comes at it at the moment. Although, as I say, it does do a very good job. Okay, great. So more of a a business opportunity rather than seeing it as a potential challenge? Yeah, I mean, I I guess that most uh, most people wouldn't say it in quite the way I would, but most, most of the sector in general terms think about disability and access as a bolt-on or a cost 
and yeah. you know, something they would uh, they know they have to do, but they don't go about it in in a way that would maximise the benefit both to them and to potential disabled people coming to the cinema. I'm going to be talking about this from a business viewpoint, so I'm looking at it at a strategic level. I'm taking the opportunity to sort of uh, uh, what's the word to pin down the people whilst are there to think about this because yeah, there's going yeah. to be a lot of very senior people there. In terms of specific advice guidance, yes, of course, and you know the the UKCA does have its disability working group, which is very active in this field, yeah. which advises more generally the sector as well and bring the which I sit on, but his idea is that it uh, promulgates best practice across the sector. What I want to do is try and get people at a board level to try and think about this in a slightly different way as a business issue. Okay, fantastic. Well, I think that's uh, that's pretty much we're doing a very quick snippet of kind of, you know, what we can expect. So um, I look forward very much to uh, seeing you in action and uh, I hope you enjoy the couple of days coming up. Thank you for joining me. Okay, my pleasure, Helen. Thank you very much. So first up on day one of the UK Cinema Association Conference, uh, aka the UCA, I always do that because I'm not sure which one I should say. <laughs> so um, I'm joined by Ruth Hinton, Group Insight Manager for View International. Hello, Ruth. Hi. We've had quite the morning, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> lots of comings and goings with things lots, for the conference. Lots of comings and goings, um, but we got there in the end. I'm going to hand it straight over to you. Tell me a little bit about your role at VIEW, um, if you would be so kind to start with, and then we'll move on to what you're presenting on. So my role is Group Insights Manager at VIEW International. Um, I work with colleagues across our um, teams, across all of our cinemas, um, all over Europe, in the UK and Ireland, but also Denmark, Germany, Poland, Italy and the Netherlands and I help provide information to represent the customers in our decisions. Yep. So I commission customer research and I look at other sources of insight that tell us what customers are thinking and feeling and doing so that we can take that into account to plan the right things and figure out if it's working for people. So the perfect lady for today and tomorrow then. <laughs> right up my street. <laughs> right up your street. Um, so let's move on to today. Audiences growing the big screen experience. Um, but I think you've got a slightly different angle to yours, haven't you? In terms of um, people who may not attend as frequently. Is that yeah, right? so there's both. Talk me through um, it. Yeah, so thinking about how to grow our audiences for the big screen experience. Um, the power of the big screen experience comes from its size. The, the big screen, immersive sound, big audiences, big moments to join in on. Um, but also that can be a limit because then it's a big deal and so people don't do it that often. And thinking about the cinema from uh, the customer's point of view, there's some people who rarely or never come to the cinema and we'd love them to come, um, but we have to appreciate that to those customers, they're totally unfamiliar with cinema as an environment, they're... Um, uh, not engaged in our channels as much, they don't see the variety of content that we have and were they to begin to look at a visit or to come to our cinemas they may feel excluded, it's not a, a f an environment that they're very familiar with. It's, it's really funny actually isn't it because to those of us who you know work in the cinema industry and sort of live and breathe it a lot that concept can feel quite strange, that's their reality. Um, what are some of the barriers perhaps, if you give us a bit of a nutshell maybe? And so um, we do need to empathise with these people who are different to us. As you say, we live and breathe in the cinemas and we think about cinemas and talk about them every day. These people are not. Um, so when they are looking at schedules, they may only see the obvious things. They may not know what the other titles are. They may not know event cinema exists. Yeah, of course. Um, and were they to visit, 
they may feel excluded. They may feel like other people are at home here. The people, the other customers here are not like me. The staff are not like me. So I think we need to think about raising awareness of the diversity of our content, yep. but also the diversity of our teams so that people do feel themselves represented. And then they might feel more welcomed and at ease. Relatable, yeah. Relatable yeah. experience. And also to think about the all of the steps of our customer journey and make sure that that feels approachable, um, that you'd know how that worked, um, that it is simple and easy, that when you book your tickets you get a booking confirmation and that that's an important step all of these things that people are not familiar with in the cinema they might be familiar with these sorts of things from other leisure and entertainment but we should look at things with fresh eyes I think absolutely so that you don't necessarily think something might be intimidating but it actually very much could be absolutely um I've got a quote in my presentation that um a lady had come to the cinema for the first time in 10 years and she um, wrote this lovely message in our feedback survey and the fact that she took time to tell us I think is is really lovely a lot yeah but she said that she had to pluck up the courage to come to the cinema yeah and she's glad that she did and she got a very warm welcome from the team at View Worcester who explained how it worked, explained the ticket price. Um, and she said that she thoroughly enjoyed her visit and the film. So it wasn't just the film that she enjoyed. She enjoyed that visit. And she said, and now I'm telling my friends about View and it's definitely experience I'll repeat. But imagine that she had to pluck up the courage to cross our threshold and come to the cinema. Yeah, yeah. And if only she'd done that years ago, she could have been having so many more amazing experiences. It had taken 10 years. It's really interesting, isn't it? I just, um, it's quite touching. It yeah. is, yeah. And um, and she had an amazing experience um, coming on her own. And this is a barrier as well. Um, So even amongst the people who do go to the cinemas, this is the other part of the audience where they come to the cinema a lot or a little already. Um, But even those people, only 18% of them say they regularly come on their own. So imagine if we could break down that barrier. Um, One way to break down that barrier is to give people ammunition to sell the film to their film to their friends. So um, as I've put in my presentation, View sent out um, published newsletters in January describing films that were coming up and there was a heading in those for each of those films saying and how you persuade your mates to come see it so literally giving them the ammunition to say I want to see this film please come with me here's why it's great so come see Queen and Slim because if Beyonce's a fan it's got to be good yeah well thank you ever so much for joining me Ruth I won't keep you any longer um I really hope you enjoy the conference and thank you for talking to me thanks Helen see you soon I'm now joined by my second lady of the morning hope you enjoyed that impromptu song lucy jones executive director for comscore movies welcome morning to my sofa um so you are giving uh, a sort of audience welcome aren't you this morning tell me a little bit first of all lucy actually about what you do kind of day to day what your role includes if that's all right yeah sure so we've been tracking box office across uk and ireland for almost 30 years next year wow. is our 30th anniversary so we'll be celebrating next Happy year anniversary for them. um so yeah we've been collecting across the whole of uk and ireland uh, about a thousand cinemas box office every single day so that everyone across the industry has got a great insight into how their films are doing And then in the last couple of years, we've also expanded into doing some exit polling so that we now have much richer data on who's going to see the films and why. Okay, great. So today in your welcome, uh, you're going to talk, are you going to touch on 2019? Are you just looking ahead? Tell me a bit about what you're you're looking to talk about today. Back and forward. So I'm going to 
uh, do a session on 2019 and yep. uh, what happened in the box office. So we were 1.8% down versus the year before in terms of revenue, but only 0.8% down in terms of admissions because we've seen quite a lot of discounting across the sector with price cuts uh, where there's competition between different cinemas. And then we're also going to look forward to 2020, what the yep. big films might be for the year and what's happened so far already in January and February. What are you looking forward to this year yourself? Um, I'm a big Bond fan, so yeah, April, yeah. I thought that might no be on time the to list, die. Yeah. Um, I'm also talking a little bit about British films, and okay, I think great. if we could say that there's one good thing that's come out of Brexit, it's real consumer desire to kind of support the local economy, to do yeah. more in their towns and cities, whether that's visiting a local cinema or supporting the industry in terms of British talent behind the camera, in front of the camera, supporting local jobs, especially the ki- skilled kind of jobs that the film industry delivers. Because obviously we're looking at the audience and sort of growing the big screen experience so british cinema british economy as you say is is a a good point to make actually this maybe the one silver lining i know (laughs) um (laughs) what are you looking forward to later in the year what direction do you think the industry might take i think 2020 is a very open year there's a real perception that no one really knows quite what the big hits are going to be there's a real opportunity for some of the smaller films to cut through we've just seen it in the last couple of weeks with parasite of course Um, we're looking at a poster of it right there yeah Yeah. i don't think anyone really (laughs) predicted that that was on track to be the top foreign language release of all time in the uk in the next week or so it should overtake passion of the christ to be the biggest earning foreign language film ever across the uk and ireland obviously the oscar wins the bafta wins will have helped yeah of course yeah the buzz Um, but because it's a year that doesn't really have such a huge franchise release such as a star wars or a harry potter that kind of thing um there's a lot of opportunity for those smaller films to really cut through and hopefully capture different audiences than we would normally see coming to the cinema. Some people that haven't been for a while might come back. Um, and things like a Bond film obviously always get out the infrequent attenders. Yeah, it's true. We don't have any Avengers, but we have lots of uh, room, shall we say. Okay, fabulous. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Lucy. Um, enjoy the day. Enjoy your welcome in 40 minutes or so. And uh, thanks for catching up with us. Thank you. Jake Harvey, Cinema Programme Manager for the Phoenix Cinema in Leicester. Did I get it right? You did. That's really impressive, actually. Uh, Just Air 5 myself. Whatever, Programme Manager, Programmer, just guy, dog body, it's fine. Okay, excellent. Um, We'll tick those boxes. (laughs) Um, So, Jake, tell me a bit about what you do uh, in your role at Phoenix. Yeah, so I I manage the cinema programme. So, basically, everything we show inside the cinema screens um, is me, really. So, that includes sort of core cinema program uh, all the seasons and festivals we do stage on screen program and also help out with sort of education as well so yeah as much as i can do really so you have a wide ranging role yeah remit covers quite a lot um yeah. i think it's we've got small, it's quite a small team at phoenix okay. so there's a there's a few sort of one person departments but uh I recently got an assistant, so it's getting a bit better. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, you're moving <laughs> up in the world. Feels like that, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, here we are at the UKCA conference, focusing on audiences um, and bringing in new audiences and mm-hmm. every other sort of facet. You are presenting this afternoon, so please tell me a little bit about... You're on a panel, is that right? Yes, yeah, I think it's a panel about um, festivals and kind of audience development and how festivals can kind of, well, ideally help with that audience development. Um, so I'm talking about... Uh, a little bit about Phoenix and a little about a bit about why we would want to do a festival and then a focus on kind of um, Indian Summer, which is a festival of Indian cinema and then UK Asian Film Festival Leicester, which is the tour of the UK Asian Film Festival, which is based in London. Um, and we're talking about, you know, why we want to be involved with these and what sort of things we show, the challenges that we found. Um, 
and what we've learned really kind of what are the festivals kind of really have the impact of the way we work so tell me a little bit about that how you kind of work with them yeah so we were approached by uh samir bamra who runs uh, physical which is a local um got a regional and national and international now uh, arts company um, and he is one of the programmers at uk asian film festival uh, in london with tongues and fire um and he asked if we'd like to be involved as one of the tour cities um and we jumped to the chance i mean leicester is um it's a plural city it's a diverse city and i feel strongly that our program should reflect the reality of our communities that we're based in yeah, so course. um so we work with samir and um we've run it for it'll be a fourth year this year uh, and it's like a number of um sort of uh independent uh southeast asian cinema um a lot of premieres or you know, films aren't going to be shown in the UK and they might not be shown again. Uh, we also have talent come down for sort of host Q&As. We have intros as well. We've had a few workshops. Um, it's been great, yeah. I mean, seeing the response to it, it's been, been really good. Um, lots of work still to do, but yeah, it's been really encouraging the past few years. So you guys have been doing it for four years? Yeah, we started yeah. 2017. Okay. Nice. Uh, was the first one. We did Indian Summer, which was like a festival of Indian cinema from 2011 for a few years. Um and then this came to, uh, the Occasion Film Festival came to Phoenix in 2017. Um, yeah, we've done it for three years now. And the fourth installment's coming, uh, start this April. So yeah, looking okay, forward to exciting. that. exciting. Yeah, that'll keep you busy, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah, just kind of like looking forward to what uh, what other films are coming out and looking forward to sort of discovering them, whether it's a Cannes, London Film Fest and everything. So yeah. looking forward to Man it. Man of the world. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining me, Jake. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. I'm joined by uh, Mike Tull from DCM and Anna Kremen from Pearl and Dean. I'm going to hand it over to you guys because I could try and like bodge my way through an awkward <laughs> description of, of what um, you do, but obviously you know that better than anyone. So um, Mike, if you would like to kick off, what's your sort of role with DCM? What do you handle for them? Yeah, sure. I work on the research and insight team at DCM. So our role is essentially to support the sales team who are going out and engaging with media agencies and advertiser clients and trying to convince them to spend money on putting their ads um, in cinemas across the country. And so my role is to help them pitch in ideas, um, come up with the insight that demonstrates it's right for those brands to be advertising in cinema, and then also sort of proving the effectiveness of their campaigns once they have run on cinema as well. So it's a mix of kind of trying to prove cinema beforehand and then prove that it works afterwards as well for brands. Okay, great. Um, Anna, over to you. Um, very, very similar. I head up the research team at Pearl and Dean. Um, and yeah, very, very similar role. Uh, what I would also like to add is, and what we touched on today, is that both uh, Pearl and Dean and DCM work together to cre uh, to sort of understand our audiences. And so we, um, we run the FAME study that happens every year. Uh, together and we we go out to industry and talk about the audiences and we also run film monitor which profiles all the films that come um out throughout the year i say all of them i think it's about 78 percent 80 percent of the films that um uh, a lot of the films a lot of a the lot films of the yeah films. so we get a really good understanding of who our audiences are and who we can sell against so um you guys have already presented so you presented it was this morning, wasn't yeah, it? It was the yeah. first slot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, if you wouldn't mind each just telling me in a kind of a nutshell what you presented on. I know you kind of split it between yep. you. So, um, Mike, you were looking at the younger audiences, Anna, sort of family and older. Yeah. So, uh, Anna, you go first. Tell us what your section was about. Um, yes, so I focused on the family-going cinema audience and family-going? <laughs> family <laughs> cinema-going audience. We got audience. the gist. <laughs> um, and also the 55 pluses. Um, I think it's really interesting, the two, the two groups that I looked at... Um, 
particularly from our 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 point of view in terms of talking to brands brands want to talk to 16 to 34 year olds and Michael talk about that in a minute um, but I find it really really interesting that there's these audiences out there that don't fit into that millennial box or gen z or gen alpha or whatever <laughs> we're meant to call um, and as soon as I left <laughs> I left the 15 to 34 group it made me feel a bit like oh well no one wants to talk to me I anymore I don't fit in that box I still haven't yeah. paid off my student loan <laughs> I still haven't done all of this but yet I'm approaching that sort of 35 plus and, and further <laughs> now so I think there's these audiences that are really really interesting and that have potential to grow uh, within cinema definitely and we've seen it with the 55 pluses and then having children myself realizing that just because you can't go and see Parasite with a four-year-old doesn't mean you can't see Sonic the Hedgehog with a four-year-old and they're very very different experiences uh, but they're they're both as important to our to the brands that we're talking to I'm still the same person. I still want the of brands course. to talk to me. And so therefore we need to let brands know that they don't have to be going down the blockbuster route just to talk to audiences. Um, Mike, so you were looking at the... 16 to 34 end of it. Yeah, so the end of the audience from our perspective, talking like to the commercial end of the industry that brands focus a lot on um, and also a really key um, audience from a cinema perspective in terms of the film going audience. You know, 1634 is one of the core heartlands of a lot of the big temple movies coming from film studios. Um, and so it's a real core audience. And I think it's one of the things that's a really strong message that we can take out is just how strong we are in a position in terms of the audience at the moment with cinema and still drawing in those crowds in big numbers, particularly in the context of what's happening with live TV viewing, which has been decreasing amongst that audience you know, because of the rise of things like Netflix and yeah, Amazon Prime and the upcoming launch of things like Disney Plus. There's so much proliferation of in-home and on-the-go content that people can watch, but seeing that cinema is still incredibly appealing to that audience because it offers something unique. And one of the kind of recurring themes, I think, from across the morning is people talking about young audiences and about it being about the shared experience, that ultimately we're social beings, the same whether you're whatever age you are, but particularly when you're younger and you've got more spare time you want to hang out with your mates and do things that you all enjoy and i think cinema remains a really big passion point for that audience and we're seeing the numbers that they're still coming a lot engaging with um the content that the exhibitors are putting on and still loving cinema which is um, makes our lives a bit easier by going out and talking to brands who are trying to find that audience that actually you can reach an audience who are engaged willing to sit there watching stuff on the screen when elsewhere you're multi-screening not paying attention to certain yeah, things yeah. as well it's a really captive yeah. environment to find those people in the brands find very commercially appealing to reach yeah. absolutely um, I was just going to say, sorry, my boyfriend actually always says to me, like, I can never get you to sit at home and watch a film. Whereas we go to the cinema and I'm good as gold. Yeah. Yeah. So at home, exactly. I'm yeah. the, you know, perfect example. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And also, I think it's really, it was really interesting seeing the ladies from Interfilm talk about how when you go as a young person, mm -hmm. you're more likely to go to the cinema when you're older, whatever the definition of older is or, or or whatever but you start at a young age you get that that shared experience mm -hmm. from a young age that did i think they called it a digital detox from a young age and you get used to that and it creates experience and then feeds into the experience economy and then all the bits that we were talking about sorry not we were talking about the people in there mm -hmm. um this afternoon have been talking about film festivals and creating these experiences it all links it all links in and is is, is makes a very nice narrative as to why cinema is so strong yeah. final question What's the earliest film you can remember seeing? <laughs> we, we discussed this earlier We did, on. we did. Uh, mine is Aladdin. 
Yeah, uh, excellent. At the UGC in Southampton, I was saying to Anna, like, I left the film, we, we immediately went to the Disney store and I brought a mug that when you put the hot water in, the genie would appear out of the lamp. Magic, nothing short of magical. World, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine was at Uckfield Picture House. Okay, so Kevin I hope, Mark, I hope they're um, yeah. listening to this. <laughs> uh, not a Pearl and Dean <laughs> site anymore, I'd like to point <laughs> out, but there we go. From DCM. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, all my childhood memories come from Uckfield Picture House because it was the only. Um, cinema in our area um, and I remember seeing I think it was called A Tale American Tale The Little Mouse Oh yeah I remember Who travelled to America yeah. <laughs> yeah But I also do remember Going to see Titanic there And there was an interval okay. Oh, nice. Um, so, okay. yeah, that was... And I got a cup of tea. Because <laughs> I was so not, eh? so civilised <laughs> at the age of 12 so or whatever. I, know, I, yeah, I, don't think I drink, drank tea. <laughs> um, mine was uh, Little Mermaid. And I came oh. I came out of the cinema. My brother took me, um, came out of the cinema, started crying. And he was like, what's the matter? And I was like, I just really want to be the Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so upset. I was about four. It wasn't like, you know, yeah, sort of teenage right. years. I mean, or yeah. yeah, anyway, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you uh, for Anna Crimmin, Pearl and Dean, and Mike Toll, DCM. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Thank you. So now my next guest is a good friend of mine, uh, Laura Ulgat, who is the CEO of uh, UNIC, the International Union of Cinemas. Um, so welcome, Laura, to my sofa. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about what you do for UNIC, uh, what you guys do as a, as a trade body and where you cover, and then we'll get on to what you're, what you're doing for the UKCA um, sure. shortly. So we are a European trade organisation. And we represent cinemas and their uh, national association across 38 countries. So mainly based in the EU, but we actually have a wider membership because we cover additional European countries, so like Russia, for example, or Norway or Switzerland. Uh, and our mission is really to be the voice of cinema operators. So both with the you know industry, we're partners in the industry, um, so we have a relationship, of course, with, you know, the MPA, with NATO, also with, you know, independent distributors, um, but also with, uh, and foremost, with the EU institutions, um, because the European Commission, the European Parliament, and what we call the member states, uh, all work and design legislation that could have an impact on the way we operate. And our core mission is both to actually celebrate cinema going and show them how great it is to actually enjoy a film on the big screen, uh, but also to explain what we need to be able to to do that business, basically. So you have plenty on your plate. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> She's possibly one of the busiest people I know. But she always makes time for everybody, <laughs> which is what I love about her. Anyway, um, so... You're presenting tomorrow. You're part of a panel, is that right? That's yeah. right. So we're obviously looking at audiences and uh, growing the sort of big screen experience. So tell me a little bit about what your panel is focusing on, um, what you'll be discussing and, and, you know, kind of what the other panellists will bring to it, hopefully. So, so I'm, I'm moderating a panel which is actually going to look at experiences from elsewhere. Okay. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Audience engagement um, and ideas and initiatives coming from other countries. Nice. So we'll have three uh, countries on stage tomorrow. So we'll have Germany, we'll have Spain, and we'll have Norway. And they're all going to present something that is um, different. Um, so, for example, Spain will look at the Fiesta del Cine, uh, which is an initiative that happens twice a year and which is targeting all audiences. Uh, with Norway, we're going to look at the Kino Club, uh, which mainly addresses audiences above 35 years old. 
um, and that is actually led by 70% of cinemas in Norway. And then with Germany, we're going to look at a loyalty program uh, led by York Cinema. So very different initiatives, looking at different demographics. Um, but we thought it was great to actually bring ideas from somewhere else. And I think that's the beauty of what we do at Unique is we do a lot of sharing of best practices yeah. um, because there's actually so much happening. It's impossible for someone to know all of this. But if you actually bring the people on stage to explain what they do, it might give you actually an idea. And and I think we also managed to get them um, to be very honest about it and about the challenges okay. because yeah. Yeah. it's usually very successful when we bring them here. Uh, but they had, of course, you know, some challenges to face, um, you know, and, and I think it's good also to hear from them, you know, what would you do differently? Or, you know, if you intend to implement something similar, what should you expect? Or what should you look at? Yeah. So, yeah. But without challenges, you're not going to sort of learn from it, are you? Exactly. So it, exactly that. It gives a sort of a, a more rounded discussion. It, absolutely. And we all like a bit of honesty. We do. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so as a final, just quick point from you, what are you looking forward to in cinema for the rest of 2020? What, what do you think your highlight will be? Either a film that you're looking forward to or an event or... Yeah, whatever, whatever strikes you about this year. Gosh, I think a few things. I mean, I love going to the different, you know, cinema convention, uh, yeah. not only You've our got own, in Europe, yeah. you know, <laughs> 22, 25th of June. <laughs> um, I think in terms of films, uh, I'm, I'm very mainstream, I'm yeah. going to admit, and I'm a huge Minion fan. So if, yeah. if you come into my office, there's a poster on my wall. Of course there so is, yeah. if you don't know where to send your goodies, please send them to me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, th I think there's a lot to look forward to. I mean, in terms of, of Slate, I mean, as I said, I love going to the different events. Um, and, and I'm actually also looking at, um, you know, I've, I've actually yesterday we, we screened a film in Brussels for a premiere, System Crusher, uh, which is a German art house yeah. film. Yeah. Um, and, and it actually got a brilliant reception from the audience from a film that's quite Great. challenging. Yes. Um, so I'm looking also forward to what European cinema will be bringing us for the year. Yeah. So hopefully it will be exciting. as good as what I saw yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, what, um, what did you think of this morning? I know you came in a bit later because obviously I you did, travelled yeah. over from yeah, Brussels. Yeah. Um, but how do you think it's all going so far? I love it. I mean, for me, it's one of the best event actually to find um, new ideas, to find also speakers for our own events yeah. and just, you know, to trigger some discussions. Yeah. I just love the panel we just had on film festivals, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. especially because being a massive geek about silent films, that was great. <laughs> and uh, also Zephyr is uh, my family's from the, well, my in-laws are course, from the Lake District, course, yeah. so I go there every year. So it's quite nice to oh see wow. the owner on stage. Oh, I I'm like always that. thinking I should yeah. go and speak to her and get free vouchers or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the industry. <laughs> exactly. I Don't love if you. You're listening. <laughs> I'll send Nora's you my address. Uh, you, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I just thought that um, I think what I really like is just it's very different speakers on stage. It's very different topics, all focusing on audiences, and I think it gives really a rounded perspective. Yeah, there's what so we many different facets. Exactly. So and, and I think obviously as a single individual or a single company it's quite obviously tough to embrace all these parts but if you're coming here for two days to this conference I think you're just living with you know a head full of you know ideas initiatives things to implement things yeah. to try and things you've uh, possibly never thought absolutely. about absolutely yeah. so Great. yeah thank you very much for joining me Laura and um, enjoy the rest of the day thank you so thank much you. Helen I'm here with Ben Luxford who is Head of UK Audiences for the BFI, the British Film Institute. Um, so thank you for joining me. 
Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm going to hand it over to you. Sure. Um, if you could just give us an outline about your role at the BFI, mm-hmm. first of all, and then we'll move on to the conference shortly. Sure. So um, I manage the team that oversees uh, lottery investment for audience development across the UK. So going back a few years, um, historically there was um, kind of two industrial leads for British film. One was the UK Film Council and one was the British Film Institute. Um, The UK Film Council had all of the lottery spending responsibility uh, across production, across development, across international relations and audience development. That function then got shut down and moved into the BFI in around 2012, okay. something yep. like that. Um, so, and then I joined the BFI in 2015, um, specifically to head up the audiences side of what would the BFI's approach to audience development be? Because the UK Film Council was very much a um, kind of focused purely on the industrial. Um, I mean, that might be slightly unfair, but you know, they were much more driven by that, whereas the BFI is very much a cultural organisation. So yeah, I'm yeah. there to oversee how lottery funding can be used to balance the industrial and the cultural across the UK. So we so we spend lottery money because yep. uh, lottery money is there to make happen what can't in its own right. It's good mm-hmm. cause money. Uh, and British film is very much a continual and continuing good cause, um, for better or worse. Uh, and um, and it goes into a variety of, of um, sectors. It goes into film festivals. It goes into distribution. It goes into um, goes into cinemas. Um, and we have we have two main strategies of how that is um, how that is spent across the UK. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about today at the conference about the BFI Audience Fund and about the BFI Film Audience Network. Okay, perfect. So as we've nicely segued on to the, the conference, uh, you're on this afternoon shortly, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, so do you want to talk about, I know you've just touched on it, but can you give us a bit more, a bit yeah, more of a nutshell? Absolutely. What, what's going so, on? Yeah, so we're, I mean, really, I'm, I'm really pleased to be asked to speak today because I think um, it's, you know, it's, it's a really good opportunity to uh, dispel a lot of myths, I think, yeah, about what the yeah. funding's for and... Um, try to you know tell the story in a compelling way to the UKCA membership about why we have it and the bigger picture about why we have this funding and what it's created what it's achieved um, you know this is funding that is to make happen what can't and right now you know the conversation here today is all about audience development and yeah. that's been our focus for the last few years is very much about what isn't happening in this sector you know it's um you know the distribution exhibition sector of independent british film is very much you know it knows itself as we've learned over the last few years you know this industry doesn't know anything about itself at all and we're going through quite a big you know needed cleansing period um and you know you look around i looked at all the stats when i turned up at the bfi um and it was the same audience who were benefiting from lottery you know abc1 older white audiences you know very central london very kind of urban centers and it was um so that became like our purpose really about well what aren't we doing uh and how do we get the industry to to move on really uh and to use this money to understand that it's to really, you know, enable them to take risks that's perceived risks um, and grow new audiences because we're all going to need them in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've got kind of headline objectives about what we're trying to do. A lot of that's, um, you know, the headline is um, younger audiences, 16 to 30, but really that's kind of 16 to 25 is where the focus of that is. Uh, black, Asian, minority, ethnic audiences, disabled audiences. It's really to try to help 
um, uh, help this industry really um, consider itself a bit more and its strategies a bit more about what it's trying to do. And in doing that, you know, help films that are telling stories um, about these people actually reach those people as well. Um, so we do that on a national level via the um, audience fund and we do it at a local level through the Film Audience Network which is where we have people on the ground all around the country uh, working within specific regions uh, as well as the nations to you know do you know just we've devolved funding and responsibility out to them because they're the ones who are going to have you know better relationships and understand the the locality uh, rather than me sat in my nice office that I don't have in <laughs> London. Okay well fantastic I was going to ask you a question and then you answered it so oh. So that was very comprehensive. Thank I know you very what much. I'm doing. <laughs> I believe you. You yes. do. Um, so, final question then. So, what are you looking forward to for cinema for 2020? Um, what am I looking forward to? That could to? be anything. So, it can be a film you're looking forward to, a particular event. What are you? What do you think 2020 is going to bring? Um, so, I I did actually do a bit of horizon scanning before the year started for Creative Europe, and. Um, uh, and I said that uh, I said that Parasite was going to win the Oscar. Did you? Yep. And um, I tick. said tick. I said what else did I say? I said um, y- you know we really want to see open caption uh, subtitled screenings in sociable slots. You know like mainstream slots, yep. and that's starting to happen a lot more. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean this is kind of a smaller one, but yep. about how everyone's going to become much more all kind of brands are going to become much more consumer facing so we're going to see more memes and you know gifts coming out of um distributors and exhibitors and um and i don't know if you've seen curzon's uh twitter feed recently but it's just like a meme-a-thon it's like they're just like <laughs> non-stop trying to persuade everyone that they're the coolest distri- distributor out there so those are kind of like quite basic obvious things that are going on but i think you know we're just going to continue to learn you know and like that's what i'm looking forward to you know just being amongst in this industry right now is all the things that we haven't thought about that are um that 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 people from other perspectives are bringing to us and we need to react to you know and it's all in a positive and yeah totally learning, yeah. who's got the conversation and who's um who, who, who are we going to listen to? You know, that's what's really, I think, the most exciting thing about this industry right now is that, you know, we've always said it that nobody knows anything, but really nobody does. You know, and let's, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's start listening to some other people. Great. Cheers, Ben. Brilliant. And have a good afternoon. Thanks. So here we are, uh, end of day one, Tuesday, the 3rd of March, 2020. Uh, <laughs> right, we have Sharon Reed. Hello, Sharon Reed. Hello. Um, and we have Gronya Pete. Hello. Hello, Gronya Pete. <laughs> Hello. Um, so ladies, I'm going to pass it over to you. So Sharon, um, you're with Cinema First, so tell us a bit about what you do. What you do for a job? Oh, uh, Mrs. <laughs> Hello, I'm Sharon Reed. I'm Director of Marketing and Partnerships at Cinema First, and I have a kind of twofold role. Primarily, I manage the industry partnership between CompareTheMarket.com and the wider cinema industry. And I also work at Cinema First to look at initiatives to drive cinema going and drive positive audience behaviours. And Gronya, over to you. So you are here as a UKCA team member. I am. I did a lot of organising. Officially. <laughs> <laughs> Officially. Let, let it be noted. <laughs> but also as uh, in your role as uh, Managing Director of the ECA Event Centre Association. So um, give us a bit about your role as MD. Of course. Um, and then we'll talk about kind of pulling the conference together. Of course. So, um, you know, I was thinking the other day, this is the seventh conference Phil and I have done together. This is the fourth one where we've done two days. <laughs> and I think every year when Phil says, we've got to start thinking about the conference, 
And my first question is always, rather than the topic, is, are we doing one or two days? <laughs> and it's always <laughs> two. <laughs> I wish These everybody could question. see your expression <laughs> right now. Yeah. It's two days, and you get to roll of the eyes. Uh, and we plough through it. But I think, you know, even from the attendance that we get for these things, it is phenomenal. And even, like, the attendance over both days. Um, this conference that we've done this year in terms of looking at audiences is something totally different that the UKC has ever sort of touched upon before. So the response that we've had has been brilliant. And I think even just sort of at the end of day one, where we are now, um, it's just been that it's just been buzzing the atmosphere. Really good responses. All the presentations have been super slick, super informative, great presenters, great content that's kind of coming out with it. Um, but then also on the side of that, as you know, my my main role uh, at the event Your day cinema, job, the day job, the main day job <laughs> at the yeah, Event Cinema true. Association. Um, this is the first time ever in seven years that um, Event Cinema has had its own designated session. So and that's tomorrow, isn't it? That's yeah. tomorrow, closing the day. Um, so that's a huge milestone, I think, for us, and great, you know, for Event Cinema to kind of have a platform. But also, I think it's we are now in a position to have data that we can kind of share, yeah. particularly in terms of this topic as well, in terms of audiences. Um, as we'll explore tomorrow, you know, Event Cinema draws in a huge range of different audiences, you know, particularly in terms of the content that Event Cinema represents. So from concerts, ballet, theatre, anime, gaming, you know, we'll start to kind of unpick that a lot tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And again, we've now got the data to kind of look at that audience segmentation yeah. and sort of see who's going to what, what they're spending and how often they're going. Mm-hmm. So we'll sort of start with a kind of an analysis of that. Um, and then I've got a great panel um, of people from across the event cinema community that we can talk through. And we've got some really sort of key themes that we're going to explore. Young audiences going from preschool right up until older audiences uh, and looking at kind of the opportunities, but also kind of where the current threats are um, that sort of apply to cinemas, not necessarily just for event cinema, but also more broadly as well into mainstream. We're going to look at the impact and value of encore screenings in relation to event cinema. Uh, we're also then going to be exploring um, F&B, so food and beverage spend, uh, and again, what's kind of driving people, where they're spending and how much, and those stats are really interesting. And then finally, we're looking at kind of crossover into mainstream. So one of the things that we've sort of discovered is actually I think there's always been, I don't think an understanding, but a, a perception that um, event cinema goers um, stick to event cinema content, whereas actually we'll reveal tomorrow that actually only 3% are sort of exclusive to event cinema and that's a particular category of cinema goers so yeah. that's your opera and your ballet yeah, yeah, goers yeah. Um, actually you know what we'll show tomorrow is that there's 68% crossover into mainstream content wow. so there's there's a big discussion there as well in terms about wider collaboration with the industry in terms of what can be done you know and it's particularly when you look at the top 10 films of the year in terms of box office, you know, have a similar profile in terms of like they are infrequent cinema goers, you know, and we'll sort of start to see that again quite similar in some of the bigger categories for event cinema. But the crossover between that content is huge. So there is something that we should be doing sort of more collaboratively in terms of how can we create that halo effect of getting people to come back more? What can we do to increase the frequency? Because even from what we've seen today in the presentations, you know, people see going to the cinema as an experience. It's something that they want to do. You know, I think it was 
uh, Ruth's presentation where she's saying, you know, going too often, oh, no, into Film's presentation when they said going too often could devalue that experience. You know, there's, so well, there's a lot more there that we can be kind of picking out as an industry as a whole to kind of look at how we can drive frequency a lot more with audiences. So Sharon, over to you. Um, so you are, um, you're moderating a panel tomorrow on black and ethnic minority audiences. Is that right? Yep. So uh, give us... A whistle-stop tour. I'm very interested and very excited about my panel. Um, I think as an industry, we're all, we have been, for, I've been in the industry for nearly three years. We've been really looking about how we reflect our audience, both in terms of an inward view, how are we uh, positioned in terms of staffing and focus, but, but also importantly about external, how we are looking at the audiences that are coming to cinemas. So we're going to be, the, I'm leading a session, we've got some amazing people on the panel. Uh, we're going to kick off with a really nice piece from the BFI, from Julia Le Maison. I just like saying her name, amazing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, Julia will be uh, giving us a little bit of a short shout bam, into the research, uh, and basically just setting the context, the fact that BAME audiences, that's the acronym, are 14% of the overall population. And the question I'm posing to my panel is, are we marketing effectively to this audience, and what can we do, and what's worked, and, and what next? So my audience is going to comprise of a mixture of, of people across the industry. Um, so I'm very lucky to have Richard uh, from Paramount Pictures. Very nice, yeah. I'm going to also have, I'm also going to have Tyrone. And I mean, just the stuff they do, uh, which is really, I think, rooted in the heart of the community. Very diverse, very agile, very flexible, and importantly, very forward thinking. Yeah. I'm then going to be having um, Samir, who runs the Asian Film Festival. Amazing guy. I'm featured earlier in one of our, our sessions at the conference today, but we'll be looking at it from a different perspective. Uh, and then I'm going to have a wonderful guy called Anthony from We Are Parable, who are more of an experienced agency which are working with film collab- film and music collaborators to really enhance the experience of going to the cinema and drawing in these audiences so I'm, I'm sort of setting a few kind of exam questions but the basic thing is what should we be doing because at the end of the day as Julia's research will highlight Julia who sorry Julia, Julia La Maison <laughs> there you go she will be saying that actually um 68 percent of BAME audiences are under the age of 35 Oh, wow. So come on, guys, that's a big opportunity. So basically, the, the, the it's a very simple um, thing here. Small but incredibly dynamic audience. We should be doing more because yeah. I think yeah. we, we've got we've got them interested. Um, so some really interesting discussions about what people overcome. So Samir will be talking about how, you know, you know, that that group, the Asian group is incredibly busy. You know, it's Chinese, it's Pakistani, it's Indian, it's loads of um, regional dialects. There are religious differences, there are cultural differences, there are social mores and, and real big issues. So actually, how does he cut across that to bring films and market them to the UK? Whereas we are parable, we'll be talking about what they do. Anthony and Steam will be talking about what they do working on big releases with big filmmakers to evolve marketing campaigns. So less of a lift and shift, but more let's evolve and get it out in the community. And then Richard, from a kind of di- um, distribution point of view, will be looking about how, you know, they can't be specialists in all areas. They need to harness experts in certain areas. So how they build followings and build credibility to drive audiences to specific titles. So that's kind of in a nutshell, roughly, where I'll be uh, oh, coming out. So I think well, there'll be lots of conversation um, and and really it's just about signposting stuff that we should all be pushing ourselves to do more to make sure we are increasingly relevant 
Well, thank you, ladies. Thank I know you. there's there's wine awaiting, so I will uh, I'll let you go. But thank you for joining me, and congratulations on today. It was very uh, well received. Thank you. I'm very thorough. We've got a great day too, though. And we have got we a great, have day, got great day, day too. It's going to be a stonking day too. Sharon, yeah. So you know what I mean? <laughs> the double letter. Got the is. day open. The day closing right here. <laughs> That's what we've got to look forward to, folks. Um, So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you tomorrow morning. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. After having just had a chat with Gronya and Sharon, I am now joined uh, by the man of the hour. No podcast would be complete without Phil Clapp. Hello. (laughs) So congratulations, day one done. Thank you. Are you feeling more relaxed? Yeah, I think think inevitably once you get the first day out of the way, then, you know, kind of... You've broken the back of it, but you don't want to give that impression to people who come and expect day two to be even better. Of course. Um, so it's a good job this is going out after tomorrow, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Never um, talk about it again. <laughs> so, I mean, most people know uh, who you are, Phil. Mm-hmm. You're just this massive celebrity in the industry. I'm sorry, I can't keep a straight face. Um, As you say that, yeah. <laughs> you are CEO of the UK Cinema Association. Yes. Um, so do you want to i mean a lot of people know but give us give us an overview of what your role entails and then we'll move on to pulling the conference together yeah sure so uk cinema association i i explain it to people hopefully not demeaning what we do as a classic trade body we represent about 95 percent of the sector so that includes all of the big uh, circuit companies like odeon and view and Cineworld and every man and empire and showcase and i'm sure i'll offend some by forgetting some of them <laughs> but then then a very long tail of smaller Operators, either regional circuits or the majority of our members are single site, single screen operators in the highways and byways of the UK. Uh, and what we do is um, probably what you might call advocacy, so promoting cinema going on their behalf, explaining why the big screen experience is something people should be encouraged to take up. Uh, we do lobbying of government. Uh, we don't really have much of an ask of government other than sensible and proportionate. Uh, regulation. We do uh, a good deal of, particularly for that long tail of smaller guys, a good deal of work with them explaining what particular bits of legislation or regulation mean for them in practical terms. Uh, And then we do um, some work across the industry on things like film theft and probably within the lobby and advocacy thing, we do some media work, not a huge amount, but we're trying to be more proactive and more active in, in promoting uh, an understanding of the value and the success of the UK cinema sector. So just just that then? Just that, exactly. <laughs> Spinning a number of plates. Keep, keeping you busy. Um, so today and tomorrow, uh, the conference focusing on audiences, mm-hmm. the audience experience, yep. uh, growing the big screen experience. Yep. So, um, I mean, I don't even know where to start. How do you, how do you start with what you're going to pick as your topic? How do you then kind of work through it? So, so, so at the end of each conference, as part of the the survey of those who've attended, and you know the the attendance is typically fifty percent members of the association, so cinema operators of different sizes and shapes, and then fifty percent colleagues from film distribution, the broader industry. As part of that survey, we go back out to people and say, "What would you like us to talk about at our next?" event um we 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 take that as a kind of a temperature check on the kind of things that people want to talk about and when we did our conference in 2019 which was around technology um audience development was was a key uh, and recurrent theme that came through and actually when we subsequently polled some of our members on areas where they thought there were potential skills gaps 
audience development featured highly there. So we thought we were onto a good thing. And what we then do is try and break it down into interesting elements or sessions that where we think there is something which our members can learn. Okay, great. So obviously the po- the point of the podcast is to summarise what mm-hmm. we've seen today, what we'll hear tomorrow. Um, so I'm not going to ask you to run through what's happening on each day because that would take us a while. Mm-hmm. But um, highlights for you from today and then what you're looking forward to tomorrow. So what we attempt to do, and it's worked really well in the last two or three versions of, of, of this event, is as well as having longer kind of panel sessions, we also have what we call spotlight sessions, which are just 50 minutes, get in, say what you need to say, get out sessions, where we, we shine a light, as the name would suggest, on particular nuggets of good or promising practice. So today, for example, we heard from the Rio Dalston, uh, one of our our smaller independent members, talking about their Young People's Programme, which was delivered in a very informative but engaging way. We heard from the National Theatre, National Theatre Live, talking about how some of the... uh, some of the efforts and some of the approaches that they've taken in terms of engaging uh, audiences with theatrical content in cinema have worked. You know, those things for me, those really kind of nitty gritty, these are the practicalities. Quite often, the, 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 uh, you, you, you know, the, the ability to convey to our members the lessons learned from missteps as well as successes, I think, are always really valuable. So much to get into, isn't that? Um, can you give us one thing tomorrow that you're looking forward to can you pick one or is there just too much um, I, I think I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to tomorrow because it's needed the most thought and the most kind of creativity in terms of how we construct it within it within a 45 minute session because it is really a, a, a conference of itself is is a session tomorrow on black and minority ethnic audiences um, you know, the BFI, and it will be presented tomorrow, have just, you know, kind of done a piece of research which shows that, taken as a whole, uh, black and minority ethnic BAME, as the phrase goes, audiences, over-index. They, 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 are, they are more frequent cinema goers than, than, than the norm. However, within that broad purview of BAME audiences, clearly there are differences. And, 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 and I think, you know, that we probably as an industry have, have, have tended to take a broad brush on these issues and and you know haven't taken the time or haven't been given the time to 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 dive down into the detail one of the challenges we had when we when we brought this panel together was people were very nervous about getting up onto stage and you know particularly people who weren't from a BAME background and, and and being seen to offer a view on what should or should not be done and I think hopefully tomorrow you know we'll see that you you need to almost put that to one side if we don't have these honest conversations if we don't really talk about these things then things will never get better to be honest and you know certainly you know uh, given Sharon's personality Mm. it will be a very full and frank exchange and there'll be some uncomfortable truths I think which will come out about the way that the industry you know is very noticeable and it's a comment I've made in the last few weeks is that there will be more non-white faces on that panel then there is an audience of 330 people, you know, so we need to shine a mirror, we need to shine a mirror, we need to uh, kind of place a mirror on the industry uh, and and think about what that means and how we can be responsive to the needs and wants of a black and minority ethnic audience if we actually don't have that profile within the industry itself. Well, there you go. So um, I'm not going to keep you any longer because I know Perfect. you're desperate to go and drink your glass of wine. Absolutely. That you brought in warm. with me and didn't bring Absolutely. me one. But um, <laughs> um, thank you for joining us, Phil, and uh, enjoy tomorrow. Terrific. Thanks, Anne. 
So this morning, here we are on uh, day two of the UK Cinema Association Conference. And bright and early, I've been joined by Anthony Andrews, um, co-founder of We Are Parable and creative director. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Hurrah. Um, So, Anthony, I'm going to hand over straight away to you. Um, Talk me through who We Are Parable are, what you guys do and your role. Yeah, sure. So We Are Parable um, essentially is a film exhibition company, an award-winning film exhibition company, which yes. we uh, just won an award for, which was fantastic. <laughs> Congratulations. And essentially, thank you. And essentially what we do is we create screenings um, all around the UK, um, f- um, showing films that are made by and feature uh, people of colour, mainly, mainly black people, for people who are fans of black culture and communities who are within black culture. And um, essentially we've been doing that since 2013. Uh, my main role in that is um, to come up with the creative uh, programming for We Are Parable, come, come up with some of the experiential solutions yep. um, that we have around our events that support our events um, and uh, just generally um, just go around the country and tell people what we do. That so, sounds exciting yeah, though. What kind exciting. of experiential stuff do you do? I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, so um, probably the best example the one I talk about the most is um, what we did in 2018 for Black Panther. Um, so we created an Afrofuturistic kingdom at the BFI Amazing. South Bank um, to celebrate the, f- the world's first public preview screening of the film. Um, so an Afrofuturistic kingdom in the BFI foyer looks like um, African arts and crafts makers, interior designers, all showing their wares and their works. Um, we had cosplayers running around taking pictures Excellent. of people. Yeah. Um, we had an exhibition of uh, black superheroes who are depicted in comic books and depicted as toys and really to kind of immerse people in the world of Wakanda, essentially. Um, And we had Ryan Coogler come up and um, do a and a We had over 700 people there and people said it was like they were at a premiere. And I think that's the thing that we really want to do. We really want to, you don't have to be Daniel Kalula's best mates, cousins, friends to kind of like come to one of these events. You can just be you and actually have an extraordinary experience and just enjoy the buzz and and enjoy exactly the excitement exactly and we yeah we hear that people are really keen on having experiences when they come to cinema as much as possible that's what we heard yesterday in day one so i think any way that we can try and enhance that and um, add something to the cinema going experience i think we should definitely do (laughs) lovely so you're presenting this morning so i'm not going to keep you too much longer but um just talk us through what you're you're presenting on i'm guessing you're going to introduce we are parable and talk about what you just explained yeah so i will be talking about we are parable and about our journey and about where we where we've come from and where we are but essentially the the one thing i really want audiences audiences to leave with is about um, the idea that experience for us comes over everything and that we try and create culturally relevant experiences our whole thing is that we want to provide UK audiences with opportunities to respond to and experience black cinema in culturally relevant and unique and memorable ways so we do that like I said with the with events like the black with Black Panther and I'll be talking about some of the other experiences that we've done over the last couple of years that really typify exactly what we're trying to do and how we're kind of um, interacting with audiences all over the UK great well I'm looking forward to it um, I will give you a whoop. Oh, um, <laughs> I'll be looking out for that. Yeah. Um, great. And then, am I right in thinking you're then participating in a panel afterwards That's on correct. black and eth- ethnic minority? Uh, audiences yeah exactly so we're going to talk about um the challenges that um come with um trying to attract black and minority ethnic audiences um you know what are some of the considerations you need to think about um just a spoiler alert i'll be talking more mostly about authenticity because i think that's a really important um, element of how you uh, go about marketing to uh, these specific audiences i think you know that kind of goes across any audience but i think for um, this This particular cohort i think it's, it's, it's certainly extremely important well as 
I've said, I'm not going to keep you because I know that people get a bit twitchy before they're going on stage. He's cool as a cucumber, but yeah. I'm going to let Inside him go anyway. Yeah. <laughs> You're like yeah. a swan. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm exactly like a swan. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for talking to me thank and have a great, me. great day too. Cheers. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm joined by Liz Bales, CEO of the Industry Industry Trust for IP Awareness. I'll just put my teeth back in. Good morning, Liz. Good morning. How's your morning thus far? Thus far, it's been wonderful. Thank Good. you. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> We're going to start off, I'm going to hand over to you. If you could just talk through kind of who the Industry Trust are and what you guys do, just for a bit of context. Yeah, wonderful. So the Industry Trust is uh, a not-for-profit organisation. It is funded entirely by the industry. So lots of the UKCA members would be within our funding partners. We, um, we exist really to understand that correlation between purchase and piracy. Our role is looking across the whole life cycle of film. So whether that is film coming into its cinema release, going into transactional, into broadcast, into subscription, we're looking at all the human behaviours, all the audience behaviours around why they choose to buy certain things, go to the cinema at times versus infringe at other times. We generally speaking create a range of insights and those insights are used just to inform everyone to make their own internal strategies to empower them to make the right decisions as to how they navigate that in their own businesses but that data is also used to influence government in our IP regime and to influence enforcement to make sure that IP holders can protect those rights. The key thing that we're doing um, that is relevant really for the audience session today is about how we then understand those uh, behaviours and we convert that into educational messages that would encourage consumers to keep going to the cinema and to supporting the category. So let's talk a bit more about then the the discussion you're having today. So can you expand on that a little bit, what you'll particularly be looking at? I think, I think we live in a world of change and there's a real mantra that I'm going to put into my presentation today that is about how change impacts different things, whether that's changing consumption of film, changing behaviours, changing perceptions. And it's a key thing about perceptions because I think historically everyone has a pretty poor uh, perception around what we now call infringers but what we used to call pirates and they're obviously considered to be disruptors of revenue but what I want to bring to the debate today is the idea that they're drivers of cinema revenue as well as disruptors of that revenue and really looking at how we assess individuals behaviors and the role that they're playing ultimately we have really high levels of engagement in the cinema in the UK I think our audience is 51 plus million when we look at our infringing group, there's about 20-odd million infringers that are oh, wow. also cinema goers. Yeah. So these are guys and girls that they're already your audience. They are already who you're trying to influence. And the key takeout that I'm hoping we get today is about moderating that. You are Does it sound like I'm somewhere really funky? No, yeah, <laughs> you're just in a nightclub. Um, okay, well, that's great. I mean, now the noise has stopped, we will um, just wrap up. Um, okay. So... I mean, I think you covered everything anyway, to be honest. So, um, yeah, fab. Anything else you're you're looking forward to? Anything caught your eye on the programme? Uh, I think it's fantastic to see so many points in there about gender and diversity. Yeah. And there is just an ever, never-ending story at the moment about the lack of the category's ability to really speak and embrace all of the audiences that make up its, yeah. its audience. And so to have that front and centre on the agenda today, I think that's really exciting. Fabulous. Well, on that note, thank you very much. Thank um, you. I hope your presentation goes well and we'll see you later. Thank you. Last podcast of the day, of day two. 
Um, I am joined by um, John Baranchea. 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 Close enough. Baranchea. And John, you are VP Marketing for Mubi. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you, because there's no better person, uh, to talk about who Mubi are, what Mubi do, um, and your role within the company. Sure. So thank you. And it's really nice to be here. Um, so Mubi is a curated streaming service. So uh we're a streaming platform. We show independent, foreign language, classic, cult, just quality films uh, from all over the world. Uh, we're, we're a global service. Um, and yeah, we're, we're headquartered here in London, but we, we operate all over the world. Um, I joined Mubi a couple of years ago, and I came from an exhibition background, uh, uh, from Picture House Cinema specifically. And... I've joined Mubi in part to launch Mubi Go, which is the product that I'm talking about today, yep. uh, which is a cinema going app for our subscribers, um, which you know aims to grow cinema audiences for, for great cinema. So that's really what I'll be talking about. Um, okay, but we'll yeah. segue into that then. Sure. So, so you're presenting on, on what Mubi Go is, how it came about. Yeah, yeah, which was, uh, you know, it was born from a desire to give our members the opportunity to see great films, not just on our platform, but in cinemas. And so it's a collaboration with exhibitors and distributors um, to get people to go to the cinema. So, so streaming meets cinema, essentially. Hope, yeah, I think so. I think it's really, I think, one of a kind in terms of a cross-industry collaboration uh, because we work directly with the cinemas who you know, welcome our members to their cinemas with distributors who kindly allow us to use their films as, as our movie-go selections. Um, and yeah, it's been really productive, and you know, I, I'm ha I'm here to report on the good news that we've you know there's fifty thousand tickets that we've paid for um, all across the year and in 150 plus cinemas in the UK. So yeah, I think it's it's going really well, and we're planning our international expansion. Great uh, for the service. I was I was actually that was what I was going to ask next is what are the next steps for you guys? So you're yeah. here to sort of say yeah, it's going well, we're doing good things. Uh, what does kind of the rest of 2020 look like for you? What are the next steps? Yeah, so in the UK specifically, we, you know, we're going to continue uh, building on the success of MubiGo and working with more partners, more cinemas, more distributors, uh, expanding our coverage, upgrading the app so that it reaches more people and uh, not just in London. It's important that people uh, anywhere in the country where they have a MubiGo cinema can use the product. Of course, yeah. Um, but then also we are planning our US and European uh, expansion. So we're hoping to be in two or three new territories by the end of 2020 with with MubiGo. Uh, like I said, Mubi is global already, but this product mm -hmm. specifically... Uh, requires a lot of partnership work so we're developing those those ties now in the US and, and in Europe yeah. lovely well uh, okay so what was uh, I'm going to put you on the spot now sure. um, from yesterday and today so far yeah. or this afternoon potentially yeah. what's your highlight what have you either enjoyed the most or what are you looking forward to the most I always love see if you were paying attention yeah yeah <laughs> I always uh, Stephen Follows is uh, he someone he great wasn't he yeah. I love his stuff I follow him uh, religiously on, on Twitter and his blog uh, I always love what he has to say. It's great when you can analyze data um, in an interesting and not dry way. Yes, and engaging he's the, way. And he's yeah. the king of that. And of course, Edgar Wright yesterday, was. it's always nice when filmmakers talk about their love of cinemas, cinema yeah. buildings, yeah. and the, the, the brick and mortar that powers the industry. So yeah, uh, it's, it's been really great. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Um, and enjoy the rest of the last bit of what we have left. Sounds good. Cheers. Thanks. Well done, everyone, for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. 
and we will see you all very soon at the next cinema industry event. Bye for now. Thank you.